the moon in the bureau mirror looks out a million miles. The moon in the bureau mirror looks out a million miles and perhaps with pride at herself. But she never, never smiles far and away beyond sleep. Or perhaps she's a daytime sleeper. The moon in the bureau looks out a million miles. And perhaps with pride at herself. But she never, never smiles far and away beyond sleep. Or perhaps she's a daytime sleeper. By the universe deserted. She'd tell it to go to hell and she'd find a body of water or a mirror on which to dwell. So wrap up care, wrap up care in a cobweb and drop it, drop it down the well into a world, that world inverted. is always right, where the shadows are really the body, where we stay awake all night, where the heavens are shallow as the sea is now deep, and you love me, you love me. A reading life, a writing life, with writer and teacher Sally Bailey. feel as though the river is running right into me as I lie here in bed, waiting for the light to come up. But you see, the moon is so bright, and it is the moon I blame for my sleeplessness. The moon. The moon is on full beam. She is bright. 
she is bright tonight. And I'm thinking of that poem by Elizabeth Bishop. Insomnia. Insomnia. The moon in the bureau mirror looks out a million miles and perhaps with pride at herself, but she never, never smiles. Far and away beyond your sleep, or perhaps she's a daytime, she's a daytime sleeper, she's a daytime sleeper. Elizabeth Bishop I always think of when I cannot sleep, when the moon is too bright, the moon in my bureau mirror, well I don't have a bureau on board my boat, but I do have a very clear view of the bright beam of the torch as I lie staring out. Staring out into the sky, listening to the water as it seems to run right into me, straight into my sternum, through the stern. I've been listening to it for the last hour or two and it's as though the water and me, the river and me, have become one. And I was lying on my side. And I'd started to believe that I was the river, and the river was me. I think perhaps when we can't sleep, it's as though it's as though we've forgotten how to let go how to let go how to let go so what is it I'm holding on to as I lie here Staring at the moon. Time. Time is what I'm not letting go of. Because I have to be up early to catch a bus, to catch a plane, to go to Spain. And I am afraid that time, time, will pass me by. Time is always passing us by, and time is passing me by. It is passing by in the river. That ceaseless flow. I should let go. 
should let go. Time. Time. Oh, time. Thou art too hard a knot for me to untie, says Viola in Shakespeare's Twelfth Night. I wanted to think a bit more about insomnia and that poem by Elizabeth Bishop which I taught today with a very bright student online and we read it over and over and it was as though we fell through the poem we fell she and I together, down that well. By the universe deserted, she'd tell it to go to hell and she'd find a body of water or a mirror on which to dwell. So wrap up care in a cobweb and drop it, drop it down the well. We spoke about that line by the universe deserted. The moon, it's the moon that has been deserted by the universe. The moon in the bureau mirror who is looking out. Looking out. Looking to sleep looking for rest, looking for a place in which to settle. And we spoke of that line because it's an accusation of abandonment. You have abandoned me to this lonely space of suspension in the darkness where I hang and look out far and away beyond sleep because the brilliance of this poem is that Bishop Speaker manages to make us feel sorry for the moon. And in turn, for herself, herself, the moony speaker. Or perhaps, perhaps she's a daytime sleeper. She's a daytime sleeper. She says in the final line of the first verse, far and away beyond sleep, the moon that is, and us who toss and turn at night when the moon is bright and cannot rest, because there's something about light that calls us out into the daytime, into a state of activity, hyperactivity, doing turning knots, passing through elaborate shapes, curlicues in our mind, curlicues, twists and turns, plots, 
Let's hope she's a daytime sleeper. I love the way that the speaker in this poem muses upon the contingent possible being. The possibilities in the being of the moon. The moon as a possible being who has been deserted by the universe. Deserted. The syntax of that line turns it into an accusation by the universe. Deserted. There's something about an accusation that makes it difficult sometimes to pronounce. By the universe deserted, she'd tell it to go to hell. And she'd find a body of water or a mirror on which to dwell. On which to dwell, the moon is looking for somewhere to live, to be. She is looking for a way of being. Because at night time, we somehow lose our sense of comfortable beingness, our ability to be. We no longer know who we are at 3am or 4am as it was for me the other night, as I hovered in uncertainty and doubt about who I was and what I ought to be doing there and then. And so I flipped and turned all sorts of strange acrobatic movements and shapes through my mind as I try to find a place to dwell between night and day and that image of the well that image of the well that she drops down that she drops her cares down plummeting moment at the end of the second verse. So wrap up care in a cobweb and drop it down the well. It's a moment of instruction. Do this. Do this, I advise you to do this. Drop it all down the well. And so plunge down towards a state of being that is deeper, that has depth and dimension. The universe of sleep and rest. That world inverted, the world of dreams, where left is always right, says Elizabeth Bishop's speaker, where the shadows are really the body, where we stay awake all night. Insomnia, a world inverted. Where we undo ourselves, where we crisscross each other's parts out, where I cross over from one side of myself to another. In uncertainty and doubt, and I say, I am not that, I cannot do that, I will not be that. I am not that any longer. I invert myself, I turn myself around, I turn myself into knots, I say I am not that any longer, and that is the state of insomnia, where the shadows are really the body, and we no longer know what is real and what is not real, and so we turn to forms of doubt 
and insecurity and we begin to accuse ourselves of what it is we are not, we undo ourselves at night. And then the poem, the poem ends in a sort of moment of personal confession of feeling for another, because perhaps that is why the speaker is awake, restless, disturbed, looking out a million miles, feeling by the universe deserted, poem ends with the image of shallowness and depth, a place where the heavens are shallow as the sea is now deep and it's an awkward line and I'm not quite sure where I cross over from one to the next. The last word of the penultimate line is sea. But I stay there for a while and I hover and I'm not sure when I should drop down to the next line, you see, where the sea is at the end of the line. There's a strange sort of uncertain geography there. The heavens are shallow as the sea, reads the line. Shallow as the sea is now deep. And so suddenly we cross over to the final line. We drop down into something deeper, which of course is the texture of sleep. And in that sleep, and in that state of dreaming, the speaker meets another. The feeling of love, of being loved. And the sea is now deep as the sea is now deep, comma, and you love me. And so the poem ends with a simple declaration of commitment between two people, a sort of wish fulfillment. The speaker believes that she is loved by the you. And the you is also us, the reader, for we are included in that moment of committed feeling. A moment of innocent outburst, a declaration of love, of hope for love. Where the heavens are shallow as the sea is now deep and you love me and so I can say those final two lines with more ease now because I have been down down there several times over and over I've read those lines until I feel them, my body and in my mind. Where we stay awake all night, where the heavens 
are shallow as the sea is deep. And you love me. And you see poetry alters the more you read it. It moves on, it shifts, it has its own emotional plot. And the way you deliver the lines, and the way you hear the lines, and the stresses and the falls, and the enjambement, the running on of the tongue across the line, changes as you change with your reading. The passage through time. The speaker is lying awake at night and she sees the moon reflected in her bureau mirror reflected the mirror you see is the place where the moon can dwell inside inside the room where the speaker is trying to sleep I think of my porthole on my boat as the equivalent of that bureau mirror. When I look out upon the bright moon, it's been a full moon this week. I think of Elizabeth Bishop's poem. And I wonder if the moon feels deserted, as we all do sometimes when we cannot sleep, when we start to criss-cross ourselves, when we begin to enter into that world inverted, where left is always right. Where we begin to cross ourselves out And perhaps, if it's a good dream, if we reach the place of a good dream, finally, after the struggle of trying to find a way to rest, a place to dwell, if finally we fall down into a good dream, perhaps it's a place to start again. So wrap up care in a cobweb and drop it.
Thank you for listening to A Reading Life, A Writing Life with writer and teacher Sally Bailey.